What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Four Vers Podcast. It was a crazy weekend in college football with Clemson and Georgia both losing, so there's a lot to talk about. The format of the episode is the same as it usually is, so thank you for tuning in, and let's get it. Definitely a weird weekend of football, but I guess we can go ahead and get into the game recaps. Um, did Vinny, you want to start off with the no unfortunate Georgia-Florida game? Sam's got it. Sam's more prepared right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't like losing, but I don't, I don't feel terrible about the way we played, frankly, you know. It was a good-ass game. Ultimately, as college football fans, that's what we all want. We want games like that every week. Um, so, you know, sucks when you come out on the losing end of it. But, like I said, just, just a really good game. Um, offensively, you know, I mean, we were completely one-dimensional the entire game. Uh, we ran for 34 yards on 33 attempts. Uh, that's the lowest output as a team that we've had since 2011. Um, ETN only had 28 yards rushing on 18 carries. It's a yard and a half a pop. Uh, that's his lowest output since we went to the uh, to the Superdome in NOLA his freshman year and got absolutely steamrolled by Bama. Um, I mean, it's sad because this is this is clearly the best running back in the country, probably one of the most explosive players in the country, and we can't block him back to the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's absolutely horrendous. Um, Notre Dame has a good front four, and I think that you know. What they did deserves some credit, but I think I think what you saw Saturday was more a result of Clemson being really bad than Notre Dame being really good, and it was on both sides of the ball. Notre Dame whooped us physically. That's that's just what what happened. Period. You know, obviously turnovers are going to kill you, especially when they happen two consecutive plays. Um, Travis again playing hot potato with the football. And it and it somehow goes for six the other way. I mean, that's two weeks in a row. It's it's tough to watch, but you know, it's even tougher when the very next play on offense, we complete a slant to Amari. He's got a first down and then a really good play by the safety coming in and, and ripping it. Um, a guy I talked about last week for Notre Dame, Nick McLeod, the the corner, he had both fumble recoveries. He he was matched up on Cornell Powell all night and he got cooked, but he had a couple of big plays right there, you know. But continuing offense, DJ, Jesus Christ, this dude was nails the whole game. I mean, 439 passing yards, that's the most ever allowed by a Notre Dame team ever. Um, so that's ridiculous in and of itself. Um, a couple of things, I, I, I just – I like watching him play because he's, he's very reminiscent of Trevor early on and the fact that I don't know if it's a scheme thing or if it's just him. Uh, but he's very risk averse. Um, there were a couple of blown screens where he just throws it at the running back's feet. Um, you know, he was he was willing to throw the ball away. He wasn't 
uh, you know, too in love with his arm uh, and trying to push the ball downfield, making stupid throws. Um, so just looked really poised. Um, again, I, last week I said that if we were going to beat Notre Dame, we had to push the ball down the field. Uh, so it was nice to see him connect on a few deep ones, a couple to Cornell Powell especially. Um, and the other thing, I mean, I know that he's not the most athletic guy, but I, I thought he looked really good extending plays. There's a handful where he's able to, you know, has really good footwork in the pocket. He's able to step up, step through the pocket, roll out, you know, extend plays. And, and he made a couple throws on the run. Um, you know, the inaccuracy that we saw to the left side of the field against Boston College a week ago, that wasn't a problem. I mean, he was slinging the ball all over the place and, and pretty efficient with, with pretty much every area that we threw to. And, I mean, you know, I talked to, again about having that second receiver, how Cornell Powell's coming along and Jesus. The last two games, he's got almost 300 yards receiving. He had he had 161 yards on six catches, um, had a touchdown. He also had a touchdown in overtime that the rest took away from him and put us, you know, five inches outside the goal line, which that hurts. But, you know, at the same time, he, he had a really good game. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff this week talking about Tony Elliott, our offensive coordinator, and, and you know, how <clears throat> how pissed off people are at him. But I think really <clears> – <throat> excuse me, in the past, I mean, really all year, I feel like because of our personnel deficiencies and all the people that we've lost, we've had to become more creative. And I talked about early on in the season how using the middle of the field was going to be a big deal for us, getting ET in the football in the past game, working our tight ends in the game, that's going to be a factor. And it has been. Our tight ends had five catches for 65 yards and a tutty. Um, you know, Davis Allen, two catches for 19 with the touchdown. Uh, Galloway, three for 46 yards. Uh, he had one for, I think it went for like 25 or 26, really athletic catch, pulled it down and got got some yards afterwards. Um, but Davis Allen is the one that I've, I've been more impressed with. I think that he's, as a blocker, he's super physical. Um, he's not the fastest, but he always seems to be wide open. I mean, his first TD of the season against Miami, he's wide open up the seam. Against Georgia Tech, we faked the pitch. He's wide open up the seam. Against Syracuse, another play action. He's wide open up the seam. The Notre Dame just leaking across the formation. He's wide open. Uh, so, you know, love seeing both of those guys get in the game and, and make some plays. Um, you know, offensively, I thought obviously we couldn't run the ball, but you know, we were we were able to sustain some drives, uh, had some explosive plays. But the final drive and regulation is is something that's inexcusable. For the second week in a row, um, we have we have the football. Uh, we have the opponent in a position where if we get a first down, they're going to run out of timeouts. We we take a knee, we win the football game. You know, last week against Boston College, we had a third and one opportunity, and we couldn't get a yard on Boston College. Now, this time, we on first down, DJ, he missed the hole. He probably had four or five yards off the left side if he hits it correctly. But, you know, he, he tries to work it back inside, so we lose a couple there. They call a timeout. Second down. It's a holding call. Notre Dame declines it. And, you know, I did a little bit of research on this. And by rule, that really – the ball really should have started once it was – excuse me, the clock really should have started once the ball was set, like a first down, because they declined the holding penalty. If they had accepted it, the clock should have stopped. Uh, it came – you know, it ended up being a non-factor, um, but that was basically a free timeout for them. Um, and then on third down, we, we run a – you know, the little – halfback screen or a little quick pass to the flats and Travis just you know he just can't get to the edge in time and he ends up running out of bounds which is you know 
unacceptable really uh, as a senior. So we, so we basically needed a first down to, to seal the game, to ice it, to win, despite all of our injuries on defense and whatnot. And we couldn't, we couldn't get it. Instead, we, we burn 22 seconds. We go backwards four yards and we only make them use one timeout. Now that's, you know, like I said, similar situation to, to Boston College, and that, that can't happen. Um, I, I would be mad at, at Travis because he's, he's a senior. He knows better. You can't make mistakes like that. But, again, this is, this is just a product of not being able to run the ball. We put ourselves in a horrible position on first and second down because we're already back four yards. You know, but, but overall, I thought the offense played okay. Uh, I thought DJ was, was outstanding again. Um, and defensively, I mean, watching the game live, you're, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, we can't get them off the field. They're continuing, you know, drives. They're always in our, you know, on our side of the field. But really our defense, I mean, we gave up a touchdown on the first play of regulation. Uh, what's his name? Kyron Williams took it 65 to the crib, first play. And then they didn't score another offensive touchdown until 22 seconds left when they found Avery Davis to tie it. So when you consider everybody that we're missing defensively, all the all the third downs we missed, all the plays that we gave up, and to only have them in the end zone twice the entire game, to go 59 minutes in the middle of the game without them scoring a touchdown is, is unbelievable. I mean, that's the definition of Ben don't break because we gave up a lot of field goals. You know, and, and as I said, as expected, we were dominated up front. I knew that we would probably have to run that three-man front as we've been doing for the past month, because we're just down a lot of bodies in the middle. Um, and, and, you know, they, they blew us off the ball, but they didn't, you know, they, they weren't able to run the ball down our throat quite as uh, easily as I was expected. Um, no pass rush to speak of, but in stopping the run, like I said, they weren't able to run it right down our throats. Uh, Kyron Williams ended with 23 carries for 140 yards. But if you take away that first carry for 65, I mean, he only averaged three and a half which is respectable, but, but certainly not explosive. Um, so against a team like this that had such a big advantage up front, I, I'm, I'm going to take that. Your main ball carrier having 22 carries for 75 yards for the majority of the game, I'll, I'll take that. Um, the thing that killed us was, was Ian Book. I mean, we, we couldn't contain him all night. You know, speed at our, our, our linebacker and safety positions is a known weakness. Um, but I thought that we would – I thought we'd be able to bracket the pocket a little bit better than we did. And then, you know, it seemed like we had a spy on him. A lot of times it was Jake Venables. And as I said last week, I thought he would probably, this would play into his game, how Notre Dame wants to do it. They want to line up power formations and, and run. So he knows where he needs to be. So I thought his run fits were really good. Uh, obviously had a huge play where he forced a fumble on book who was otherwise going to score. And if he didn't score on that play, then uh, they were probably going to score on the next one. Um, so, you know, he missed some plays, but um, I thought he looked okay. But the biggest thing was that he he got cooked, I think, three times trying to contain Book when he slid out of the pocket. You can't have that. I think Book ran for 70 or, excuse me, 68 yards maybe. Um, but one thing at linebacker, number 22, Trenton Simpson, this is a freshman that's been playing a little bit. He played a lot against Notre Dame. I continue to love what I see from him. I mean, he's super athletic. Yeah, he, he had some mental mistakes. Yes, there were some missed tackles, specifically a third and 11 uh, to, to Michael Mayer that ended up being like a 30-something yard gain where he just he just went high on him. He had a bad angle, went high, just not 
not a very physical play from a linebacker, but I, I thought he rushed the passer well. I thought he had a lot of really, really uh, good-looking plays, specifically Avery Davis, number three, their their fastest receiver, ran a little wheel route. He was lined up on him in a nickel. Um, and, I mean, he was stride for stride with him down the sideline as a linebacker at, at 230-some-odd pounds. That's that's Isaiah Simmons stuff that, that we sold him on. Uh, so it, it's good to see things like that. But, you know, I, it is what it is defensively. We were down a lot of bodies. You know, special teams-wise, BT Potter, dude was nails all night, four for four, hit from 25, 45, 46, and 30. You know, we have we keep hearing from Dabo that he's got the leg from 60. Uh, we've, we've let him try one, or we're going to, and Miami blocked it. But, um, you know, the kickoffs, we needed a spark when we – when we get down or we need a big play, we, we normally put Travis back there. So I like to see that. Um, the field goal attempt before half, I Travis hit a seam and I thought he was going to kick six that bad boy. But, you know, he got – he had a guy with an angle on him and he tried to hurdle him. I mean, he puts him on a highlight tape if he makes the play. But if he cuts back inside, there's nobody but the kicker there. And the kicker is probably far enough where if he lays out, he might be able to get a hand on him. But – but with Travis's speed, he he probably cribs it, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, I thought special teams was good. I thought we punted the ball well. We didn't win um, field position for the most of the game, but in the second half, we dominated it. Um, so, I mean, overall, I think we had, you know, probably two or three, maybe four different opportunities in the second half to really put the game away, uh, but just, just weren't able to capitalize for one reason or another, uh, whether it be, Amari Rogers not being able to make a catch um, on a third and six where a ball that was thrown behind him, but it hit his hands. Um, you know, a, a, a series of downs where all you need is a first down to win it. There's there's a couple of those. So, I mean, I, I think I knew once we weren't going to be able to get that first down that we were probably in big trouble because we just had so many guys out on defense. Notre Dame got the ball back with a minute 40 something to play and we're down the three starters that didn't travel. We're down Andrew Booth, like I heard earlier. Landon Zanders, our starting free safety, was out the whole entire second half. Uh, Justin Maskell, a guy that's not a starter, but he rotates in a ton. Um, he was out the entire second half. Nolan Turner came out the second play of that drive. And his backup, uh, Ray Thornton, is the one that got cooked by Avery Davis for 53 to set up the touchdown. So I think, you know, I'm never going to blame injuries because that's why you recruit good players. I mean, it's Clemson. No one's going to feel bad for us having a – of you know a four-star backup there, there's no excuse for it um so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make excuses for it but but you know hats off to Notre Dame like I said in the beginning these are the kind of games that you want to see as a fan uh, as a Clemson fan it sucks but you know as a football fan this is exactly what you want to see uh, so I think moving forward for Clemson I mean this is just building optimism I mean you know you you dread losing Trevor but then you see what this kid behind him is doing with his opportunities, you know, the, the offensive line has to get fixed. That's, I think that's the key to the open date, but, you know, moving forward, we've recruited offensive line better the last few years. Obviously you see guys like Trenton Simpson out there playing, Andrew Boost out there playing well. I mean, we have a lot of young guys on defense that are, I mean, they're thrown into the fire. That's, this is how you, this is how you grow up. And, and sometimes losing can expedite that process. So it was good to get these guys baptized a little bit, but um, you know, I think the bye week comes at a good time. Just got to get everybody healthy and, and move forward. Because, I mean, when you look at it objectively, everything that we want to accomplish in, in terms of winning the ACC and getting in the playoff, that's 
that's all very attainable for us still. So sucks to lose, but but definitely not not going to kill the season. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty nice to see y'all lose. I'm not gonna lie. <clears throat> it was nice to see y'all lose too. Well, <laughs> you get that a lot, but. Hey, but the nicest, the nicest to see to lose was Georgia this weekend. Yeah, Davini, why don't you go ahead and, <laughs> and tell us what happened? Damn, hot take. A little prison loving. Well, uh, I guess I'll start with injuries, you know, going into the game. We knew we weren't going to have our our dude on defense, LeCount, uh, the guy, pretty much the leader on defense. Um, especially for that uh, secondary um, communication-wise, uh, we saw that a lot of problems in that game, um, a lot of miscues, a lot of young guys out there that really haven't gotten that experience yet and made a lot of bad decisions. Um, Jordan Davis, zero technique, big old boy. You know, they didn't run the ball, you know, that efficiently, but you know, when they needed to on third down, they got the first down, and Davis is in there. I think he's plugging some of those holes, but, you know, starting off with the game, scoring on the first play from scrimmage, 75-yard tutty. That got the juices going. I was like, this is going to be a good game. You know, they get the ball, go three and out. We get the ball back, score again up 14 nothing within, like, the first three or four minutes. You know, it was looking good. It was looking and awesome. Homie, and Homie snapped his ankle. I, I wasn't going to talk about that, but, you know. Okay, <laughs> quick RIP quick <laughs> Batman. Because, yeah. damn. Just, yeah, first, bro, you, about, you ain't about to slide right through his his whole leg. The shitty thing was is that I know you are watching it too, but the CBS crew – they're like, oh, don't show it again, don't show it again. Oh, wait, here it is. <laughs> they, like they showed times. it three more times. Yeah. So the funny thing was is that they took it straight to review. And so the kids, broken ankles, sitting in the back of the cart watching the review yes. on the, on the, the whole, thing. All the going, players in the field are looking at the Jumbotron. Yeah, he's sitting there going, that's a touchdown. You can see his face yeah. going or his mouth saying, that's a touchdown. As his ankle is just – or leg yeah. is just – torched yeah just I, I think in, in fairness i think in fairness that uh that his his severed leg was down short of the goal line <laughs> i think his ankle i think his ankle is down i, I don't know but <laughs> but buddy earned that he earned it. <laughs> you I can't take so. that one away from him that was his, that was that man's first career touchdown and i mean how bad flat. how bad are the optics if the guy's sitting there on the back of a cart with a snapped leg and you're like uh, his ankle was down on the half yard line. <laughs> his ankle bent. Yeah, really after awkward. review, his broken his broken femur is on the ground. Yeah, he. Uh, they came out and said uh, there wasn't a fracture. It was just a dislocation, so that's good. I thought it that, broke above the ankle. I thought it was like straight tip and had, fib. No, yeah, it, so was a, it, it was an ankle dislocation. So that Jeez. had to be super painful. You remember Tony Finau in the Masters? Yeah, yeah. Last year or two years ago, dude, he could, Tony played the rest of the week. Come yeah. On. <laughs> oh yeah, in golf. <laughs> yeah, dude, buddy should just pop that bad boy back in. It got y'all needed another receiver. I'm gonna be honest with you. If I saw my ankle flopping, I wouldn't try to put that motherfucker back in, bro. <laughs> just, but, uh, just bat it up. Yeah, so, tape it up and get back out there, kid. After after that, 
whole debacle, you know. And another thing with injuries, dude, I feel like everybody, somebody got hurt like every five minutes during this damn game. Every play. Well, well Lewis Sign or however you say his name was sleeping out on the field. I mean, <laughs> yeah, dude, buddy, that was bad. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So we go into the game with, you know, Lewis has pretty much been playing uh, the whole year. He's the free safety, the counts of strong safety. So Christopher Smith was, he started the game at, Strong safety for uh, LeCount. And uh, after that targeting call, that car wreck, as Tate would say, um, it brought in a guy. That's exactly what it was. That hasn't gotten any playing time. I mean, he just came to, he just came on campus three months ago. So, you know, Major Burns, he's a freshman. So, I mean, it's when was stuff he a like that happens. Or a five star? Uh, I think it was a four. There you go. I don't feel bad. <laughs> anyway, I'm just going to skip right to the quarterback situation. I, like. Yeah. Give the people uh, what they want to hear. Going into this game, I was saying last week that, you know, their Florida team has a really powerful offense. They're going to put up points. And in order for us to beat them, we're going to have to take time of possession. And you know, keep the offense off the field and also score points ourselves. You know, we didn't, we were doing pretty, pretty good at that until midway through the second quarter. Um, when they went on that run, they outscored us 24 to seven in the second quarter, by the way. And during that run, when they were up 28, 21, you know, the well, mail technic- technically they, they outscored your offense 21, nothing. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying points wise. No, I'm just, I know, I'm just saying offensively. Yeah. Down 28 21. And the mailman, you know, just can't hit a deep ball, carries Jackson's wide open over the middle. I feel like Sam could have made that throw. I've seen him make that throw in four and four flag all, every <laughs> night. And yeah, I would have put it right on his face mask. That's in just, I don't know. I don't know what was going on with that man. And it appears that he is, uh, there's a reason why he's been scout team quarterback for most of his career, and he showed it this past weekend. Uh, we had chances to come back, you know, and stay in the game. Like I said, with that deep ball, there was I think four deep balls that we overthrew. Uh, Dewan had one of them, which I mean I think uh, Demetrius Robinson should have dove for that ball, but at the same time, he had a comfortable enough time to make that throw. I mean, it was just (laughs) – we got smacked. It was kind of embarrassing, the quarterback situation. I mean, they went nine – combined, they went nine for 29 on 112 yards and three picks the whole game. They went nine for 29. That's that's not how you're going to beat a team like Florida who's going to put up points. I mean, we can't do what we did against Kentucky, you know, and run the whole game – win by 10. Uh, but I did like uh, Munkin's play calling. Uh, he got guys open. Um, and our quarterbacks just weren't able to do it. You know, they were just uh, booty cheeks, to be honest with you. I mean, it was it was really frustrating to watch because there was multiple times in that game where I feel like we could have stayed in it. And our quarterbacks just, you know, thought otherwise or it just looks like they've never – throwing a deep ball in their entire life so but is your blame on the quarterbacks 
Hell himself? yes, yeah. absolutely. No, I blame Kirby. No. If if you're not if you're the University of Georgia and you're not in a better position with the quarterback, it's it's the coach's fault because you can't look. Stetson is out there. He wanted to succeed more than anybody on this earth because he didn't want to lose that job. But he's limited in what he could do. It ain't it ain't Stetson's fault that he's not a starting SEC powerhouse quarterback. Yeah, but at the same time, if you want to be that guy, you got to make throws, and he's not making them, and his decision making is not great either. Like it's just he. I, I agree with you. He wants it more probably than anyone else out there, and he hasn't like proven it these past two. I games. just don't think he's got the facilities for that. Yeah, he's he's got the heart of a five star, but not the the athleticism of one. So, you know, it's it. You can a lot of people on the boards are pissed at Kirby, but at the same time, he came out and said, you know, which I find this really hard to believe that. He, he was like, well, we felt that uh, Dewan and uh, Stetson were the, the guys that would give us the better the best shot. I'm like, dude. I would have preferred Jamie Newman. I mean, yeah, we all would. That's who you should put the blame. We should all put the blame on him. Yeah. It's, it really is his fault. Like, bro, you can't dip three weeks before the season. And realistically, there were other legitimate quarterback transfers out there at the time. Y'all could have gone for somebody else. If y'all feel like y'all needed it, yeah. I mean, like I, JT Daniels. Yeah, they or, did. They got JT. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying De'Aaron King was available at the time as a grad transfer. He was, mm. and I don't know what JT JT's deal is. I don't know why. Something behind the scenes has to be going on with that. Dude. Yeah, somebody said that it could be between uh, the doctors and like like medical stuff. Because like, if he goes out there and hurts his knee again, then he can, you know, like blame the like the, t- the school and yeah. kirby and i love to read i love to read those theories out there there's one theory saying that kirby doesn't want to have to have another situation similar to when they brought justin fields in so he doesn't want one of these quarterbacks to go out there and absolutely ball and then have brock come in and have a quarterback competition and him not play him so i i think that's stupid because kirby's not going to knowingly lose games to not risk that situation exactly exactly but but brock coming in next year i mean it's his you know, it, it's his show to take. Ain't nobody that. That's, but then it becomes, you know, is, is Brock Vandegrift the hill you die on if you're Kirby? <laughs> I mean, I you know I what I'm saying? Like, I get it. He's, he's, he's highly ranked in recruiting and stuff, but I don't think, I don't think any coach is going to say, you know what, we, we need to have one really good quarterback and everybody else just be complete shit because that'll, that'll make sure our starters happy. Like, you want somebody good to come in. You want JT Daniels to be good so that way the best one between him and Brock can play next year. Or he can beat out Stetson because, I mean, Jesus Christ. Well, I tell you what, (laughs) uh, if I don't see JT or Beck this Saturday, I might not do this podcast next Tuesday because I'm going to – Oh, wow. Well, the good thing is JT's been taking reps with the ones, so yeah, you should I'm just, see. I'm him. just saying, if he if they really think that Stetson or Juan is the best we have, then I'm just like, I don't know. Kirby does not hey. need to touch the quarterbacks anymore. That man obviously is not. I said, I said he needs to hire a quarterback manager. That's his only position, and that's all he does. He, hey. He's just not a quarterbacks coach, and he never will be. So, what, Divinity, what would what would happen if Carson, JT, and Dewan all transfer, and then Stetson comes back for 
a year since it's a free year and it's Stetson and Brock next year. Would you be upset? If Stetson's still the conversation at all now, I'm going to be pissed. Bro, could you imagine the meltdown if Brock comes in there and then Stetson shit comes out on top in that quarterback competition next year? People would be like, we can't get rid of this little guy. We cannot get rid of him. I'm telling you, man. Like, after that performance, he should not even get another chance. Divinity, unless I'm, I'm unless gonna... our other guys. Hey, he had a sprained AC joint. Come on, bro. Crap the bed, too. Yeah, I've seen guys in high school play a full game with that before. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Anyway, getting back to it, because we just – Because we digress. Off. That's how bad the quarterback situation is. We have to digress from it. Starting off, we had a 75-yard – nice. 75-yard touchdown. Um, and Zeus had six carries after that the rest of the entire game. Does that make sense to you all? No. Well, I mean, I mean, Florida, Florida got jump men on their jerseys for a reason. Like, they were out there basketball team and y'all. So, you had to throw the ball to, keep, to stay in the game. Okay, but I understand that. But when it's the first half, like, you're not rushing to score points. There's also – yeah, there's also no excuse for going up 14-0 and then it quickly turning around. Like, I feel like you have to keep running the ball after that to keep Kyle Trask off the field. Because you're I know right. – Or you just knock his ass out like Lewis Sign did and then he's not on the field. I was about to say, everyone else died on the field. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was a graveyard. Yeah, uh, it was. Offense, two for 13 on third downs. Uh, not what you want to hear um, at all, uh, especially from a supposedly a top-tier SEC team. Are you um, throwing quotation marks there? You don't believe it? Well, we are, but not when our quarterback situation is as bad as it is. I mean, you can't, you can't win with quarterback play like that. It's Can't the most important game. position on the field. We yeah. see it every week. Your team goes as, as your quarterback goes. Yeah, exactly. And um, I'm going to give you all some stats right here. Um, over the past three seasons, uh, Georgia has played, I would say these are probably like the most meaningful games against elite offenses um, and good quarterbacks. This is against our defense. So this is the other team's stats. 2018 SEC Championship, y'all all know that one against Alabama. They threw – or they had 403 total yards and 35 points. 2019 SEC Championship versus LSU, they had 481 yards and 37 points. This year against Alabama, 564 yards, 41 points. And that Florida game, 571 total yards and 44 points. That average is 500 yards and 39 points per game. They're saying pretty, pretty much the big the big games. I'm I'm pretty much saying our de- our good defense that shows out all year doesn't show up to the big games. I mean, it's just our rush defense is there, but we can't cover anybody. I think I will say that was the most like discombobulated a defense I've seen under Kirby, and like even out of those games you just listed, they were just wide open guys. Oh yeah, they had. Like, it, did y'all uh, that wheel route? Yeah, they ran. Tw- yeah. They ran that. They ran that twelve. They ran that twelve times. Now after there's the quarterback and the tight end. The one that sprung for a long play. Once. The one that sprung for a long play. I rewatched that. There's a, a a pretty bad pick there on. I think it was Monty. That was yeah, it, yeah. It was a pick play. But, yeah. Um, and that's the one to the backup tight end. As Sam you just said was uh, that's that was the very first play. That was after the targeting call. So that's when the freshman came in. 
And yep. uh, um, there was no communication. Tyson Campbell and Monty Rice just let that tight end run right by them. They were, they were running zone coverage, and they just let them go. So I don't, I don't know what the strategy was all week at practice coverage-wise. Um, you know, Trice didn't make some good throws on those one-on-ones. Their guys went and got the ball. Good catches, good throws. Can't be mad about those. Because um, we run a defense sometimes where we put those corners on an island like that and make them make plays, and they did. But I want to feel bad for the defense, but at the same time, we were down, you know, three guys, three key guys. And we were also, you know, <laughs> they were always on the field because they were just – they just kept scoring. After that first, after the first drive, they scored points every other drive. It was ridiculous. Really? Wow. <laughs> so I'm going to run off uh, a couple more things by y'all. Um, ten different Florida players caught a pass in that game compared to our total nine completions. Nicobe Dean had uh, 15 total tackles, second week in a row. He's a beast. He's had uh, more than 10 tackles. He's going to be really good. Um, I do feel like Trey Hill started has started 24 consecutive starts. That's the most right now for a starter. 44 points by Florida was the most in the series since 2008. And y'all know who did that in 2008? Is that Timmy? Timmy T, yes. Well, yeah. He was pretty average. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Damn, y'all let him do that to y'all? <laughs> Trask, uh, through for 474 yards, was the uh, second most by a Gator ever, ever in a game. Their so, offense is just so completion friendly, though. I mean, lots of underneath routes, lots of pick plays. Yeah, I mean, they didn't. They, they also won every single 50 50 ball. That is true. There was not a 50-50 ball that went up, and it was – Well, that that one where Tyreek fell, I feel like would have been incomplete because it was out in front of him. He had to stretch his arms out in front, and Tyreek was already on the ground. It's just so hard to say against a guy like Kyle Pitts. You're like, that dude's a beast. Yeah, but, you know, in the, going into the second half – or let, I'm going to back up. In the first half, when we were down uh, – by 31-21, I think, and we went to punt with like a minute, minute and a half left. And, you know, Jake Camarda is one of the best punters in the nation right now, and that man hits a chip shot for like 25, 30 yards and gives them the ball <laughs> on our uh, – or yeah, our 40 – or their 48, our 48. The other side of the 50. And I, t I told you all if they score right here, I'm going to be mad. And that's the one where number eight, Caught it in the back corner. Yeah, Trayvon Grimes. Yeah, Grimes. That was it. Who is number three? Is that Stevenson? Catching throw. No, that's Campbell. He got shredded all night. I was about to yeah, say, he, he had, had a bad night. He had a bad night. He got Tyson got um, dunked on about three times. Here, here you go. I'll give you I'll give you some stats on him. He Campbell allowed four receptions on five targets for 69 yards and three touchdowns. Oh. Three touchdowns were on him. Oh. Told you he got dunked on at least three Dude, times. When, when you're struggling it, and it's going bad, the ball finds you well, somehow. Even, even the whole season, he's allowed 19 receptions for 313 yards and five touchdowns. 
in the season. And that's <laughs> and quarterbacks are throwing his way. They have a passer rating of 132. Sheesh. Oh, my God. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he, pretty he, good. He, he does lead the team with pass breakups, though. So that's one positive. Well, that's, that's because he leads the team in targets probably as well. Yeah. Probably. There's a lot of balls coming his way. Uh, Eric, but Eric Stokes um, is obviously the better corner. He had a pick six. Yeah, he's um, a beast. I think he's seventh in the nation right now after that game on uh, completion percentage. His way is like 35 or something like that, 34. That was a really good play he made on that pick. Covered him, yeah. covered the other guy and then swapped off his coverage at the last um, minute. And also – we missed another opportunity on defense when Mark Webb dropped the pick six right in his lap. Yeah. Um, that yeah. Was plays like that you got to make, uh, especially in big games. Yeah. Those are key. I, did, I said we weren't going to go back to the quarterback situation. Well, let me give you all a stat about Stetson right here. Just to let you all know why he's uh, being the way he is. So – these past couple games, you or this game in the Alabama game, you see where he wants to go for the deep ball more than checkdowns. His average depth of target is 12 yards. For these two games or for the whole year? The whole year. Okay. Mm-hmm. A guy like that does not need to be throwing it over 12 yards every single play. That's not only the highest number in the SEC, but is the fourth highest in power five. Sheesh. Boy thinks he's got that cannon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His mind is not where his body is. That hey, boy and- Brett Favre in his own head, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. In practice, he might be completing them things, though. No, uh, he throws percent- to Tyson Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Percentage of short throws uh, – or throws short of the first down. 30 out of all his throws this year, 36% have been before the sticks. 36% of his throws. I'd like to see Kyle Trask numbers on this because they would be probably opposite. Yeah, I mean, that's Florida's recipe, dude. They're going to they're going to throw a lot of stuff quick, slants, screens, and then they're going to match up Kyle Pitts and Grimes and they're going to push the field. But they pick their spots so well. Like you said earlier, that's a really completion-friendly offense. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but it even, helps when, when Trask is dealing like that. They even run yeah. routes in the same area, and the running back thinks he's about to catch one, and then the tight end intercepts it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it'd that be sh- like that. <laughs> that shit was funny. He one-handed that thing, too. The yeah, running back just fell yeah, down because he was expecting the ball. It was a, it was a sick catch. Um, here, Sid, I'll give you some uh, Trask stats. Over – Throws over 10 yards in that game. Trask went 12 for 15, 268, three touchdowns. Damn. Mm, show me the money. That was over 10 yards. <laughs> On the other side, and I'm talking the complete other side, Bennett and Mathis throws over 10 yards, three for 19, 76 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. So – Two two touchdowns, you know, out of nine completions, you know, but 29 attempts. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm going to wrap it up. Um, basically, our quarterback situation is a dumpster fire, and I hope they figure out 
you know, I hope a guy steps up, whether it be JT or Carson. We ran the ball. Well, here. you're in luck because we're uh, we're actually looking to lease DJ to make up for the loss in ticket sales. If you are interested. Shut up. I think Kirby's uh, wouldn't. All the funds are allocated out to Brock right now. Yeah. (laughs) They got his bag ready. They're probably asking him to enroll early. Brock, can we take a little from your fund and put it into the rental DJ fund? Yeah. I mean, we had chances to be in this game. You know, I feel like the score, obviously we got our ass kicked, but there were missed opportunities in our quarterback play, which is absolutely horrendous. Yeah, it was. You know, it's it just sucks because I don't think they're a better team than us at all. But, you know, it is what it is. And I feel like Alabama's going to roll them in the championship game. Yeah, I mean, Alabama's like a better version of them anyways. Like, they're very similar, but Alabama's better on defense and offense. So who's better, Kyle Trask or Mac Jones? I don't know, but Kyle Trask did impress me a lot. He had some good touch on Saturday. Yeah. He had some on, on a lot of those balls. He had good touch. He threw some sick alley oops in the end zone. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. That jump man on their jersey, they earned it. Oh, in the in the second half, they only scored six points off two field goals, and that was when Kyle Pitts was out. So. If he – that obviously shows that, you know, he has a lot to do with him scoring. Um, yeah. Our defense I will play. say that Kadarius Tony kid pissed me off because he tried to shake about 30 people and went nowhere. On yeah. a punt return, and then there was a sweep. You can't the do boys that trying on, to shake. on guys that hold ah. the ball. You can't no. – you got to go upfield. You can't be square dancing back there. Mm-hmm. You can probably do that against Missouri and stuff, but – he looked cold doing it, but he wasn't going nowhere. No. He was dancing in place. Yeah, I'm tired of talking about that. So, Jacob. Jacob, you your turn. Your game. On a lighter oh, note, Jacob. Great. <laughs> another well, QB room. Yeah, another dumpster fire of an entire program. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was just horrible. It was just, it was just bad. I mean, forty-eight to three. You know, we're kicking field goals in the fourth quarter, down forty-one points, to apparently get, give our kicker confidence. That's what Muschamp said. That's the reason they kicked. But I think it was just not to have a goose egg. Yeah, probably. But I mean, that didn't save the job. But, um, anyways, getting getting into it, you know. First downs, Texas A&M at 26, South Carolina at 9. Third down efficiency, Texas A&M 12 for 16, South Carolina 3 for 14. I mean, they outgained us 530 yards to 150 yards. Outrushed us or out, outpassed us 266 to 100 and outrushed us 264 to 50. So, I mean, we just got beat bad. I mean, with Kevin Harris on your team, there's no excuse for 50 rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, he had 13 for 39, average three yards. We just couldn't get anything going. The offensive line was horrible. 
I mean, we couldn't throw the ball, so they could just stack the box and stop the run. It was just, I mean, and we had, I mean, we had two weeks to prepare for that. To prepare to to prepare for a home game after getting beat by LSU the same way. I mean, we're a hundred. We've we've been beat a hundred to twenty-seven in the past two games. And we're getting down into our territory. We're worse than that, but it's bad. There's still no one that can catch the ball. We had six drops, but I mean, (laughs) I mean, no one. There's still no one that can catch. (laughs) I, I don't. I don't understand. Colin Hill was eight for twenty-one for sixty-six yards and two picks. I mean, that's bad. That's that's in territory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both both horrible quarterbacks. The defense that, just couldn't, and that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, defense couldn't couldn't stop anybody. Looked horrible. We had to walk on, be our leading tackler. Because we were down two safeties just out of nowhere. I don't know. I don't know why they were out. Um, RJ Roderick and Shiloh Sanders were both out oh, for some good. reason. I called it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But we were extremely thin in the secondary, and that showed. So, I mean, I've watched a lot of Carolina football, and that's some of the worst I've ever watched. And I've watched some pretty bad football over the years. So, I mean, I guess one positive to come out of it is, you know, Muschamp's job is, is pretty much is pretty much gone, I would say. At this point, you know, you got to make a change at quarterback at least because, I mean, it's not, it's not just the quarterback. The quarterback isn't, isn't the main reason that we're losing these games. I mean, it, there's, there's plenty of reasons why, why we're losing the games, but just, you know, someone that can have the most impact and kind of bring a, bring a spark to the team because it just looks horrible. It looks like they're not even trying out there. So I'd like to see uh, – I mean, Muschamp said the, the quarterback – it was just going to be a quarterback competition this whole week going up to game day to see who's, who's playing the best. Um, I mean, shit, it'll probably be Colin Hill again. They'll probably – but you really, I mean, he's, he's already really lost the fan base. Like, he's got to give people reason to, to even watch the game. So, like, he's, he, you've got to make some sort of change. Uh, I'd love for it to be Luke Doty, but it'll probably be Ryan Holinsky. Um, but a couple weeks ago, we were 2-2, two and two, beat Auburn. We were feeling good, and now we're 2-4 and four and um, might be one of the worst teams in – power five football so that's good no illinois is zero three right now growing two so still is penn state yeah yeah y'all got y'all got two wins we're not good either but yeah that's i mean that's it well well i'll say i'll say with our nice week off i enjoyed my weekend um went out to charleston you know, me and Sam, you know, we're we're missing one of our key members of the podcast up there, but uh, he was drowning himself. We we watched wow. some good games. I wish the Carolina game would have been a little bit more competitive, and I also wish Clemson would have pulled it out. But overall, good weekend of football to watch. Depending on who you're a fan of, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was good until the last, like, minute and 40 seconds of the Clemson game. But, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm numb to South Carolina losing now, so it was nice to see Georgia and Clemson lose as well. Yeah, misery does love companies, so I guess yeah, if they're – Exactly, exactly. I, I feel like it, it's good for us to lose sometimes. Yeah. I feel it, like our uh, – our fan base needs it. Y'all still, but here's the thing. Here's the y'all thing. Y'all still have a chance, though. Y'all losing does not, like, bring me out of this realization of where Tech is, though, because y'all have, like, one loss in 17 years, and we have, like, a loss every weekend, so. Yeah. I mean, I think – I mean, I think Carolina helps. From, yeah, I mean, I think the big takeaway from the weekend is just that I mean, especially for this podcast, like injuries, because like like Jacob said, I mean, R.J. Roderick's on the sideline in street clothes. Shiloh Sanders is nowhere to be found. Like Georgia's defense is depleted. Clemson's defense is depleted. You know, I mean, it's you never want to want to make excuses for injuries. But at the same time, like you're playing conference opponents every week, too. Yeah, but when you're playing, you're playing a good opponent and you got a handful of starters on one side of the football out. Like yeah. that's that's gonna kill you, no matter who you are, or how good your backups are. Yeah, I take it. I take it back. We did have some bad news out of the bye week. Um, now that you bring up injuries, we lost uh, Ryan King uh, to a season-ending injury. So out of our 2020, 2020 class, we now have lost seventy-five percent of our receivers in that class. So good. That's not that's not good at all. No, certainly not ideal. Yeah. You know. RIP Bryce Gowdy, and then uh, two other guys have knee season-ending knee injuries. So, yeah. Well, I guess with that we can uh, we can move into the questions for the week. Um, Sam, if you want to take it. All right. Uh, taking a look at the uh, the playoff situation, obviously with Clemson losing, Notre Dame winning, uh, shake up in the top four. Uh, but I'm curious about back in the Big Twelve. Oklahoma's really turned things around. Rattlers playing a lot better. If Oklahoma runs the table and wins their sixth straight uh, Big 12 title, is there a chance that they slide into that number four spot? With a year like – They're going to need some help, but – Yeah, with a year like this year, I just don't see it. There's going to be a lot of pressure for the Big 10 to get their one team in, which, you know, is going to be Ohio State. Um, Cincinnati is going to be undefeated. A team like BYU could come out of there undefeated. So – and they've been playing well. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I don't see any two – lost teams getting in unless some serious uh, shakeups happen down the stretch here. But a lot can happen because if they – if Cincinnati and BYU stand defeated, okay, and then, you know, you go to the SEC championship game and what if some miracle Florida beats Alabama, then you got two one-loss teams right there. And they're not going to leave Alabama out of it. They haven't ever. So, you know, it's just – it's going to be a debacle. Alabama needs to win to, you know, make it easier for these other teams to be able yeah. to. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I think we already know that your your SEC champ, your ACC champ, and Ohio State are in. I think that's three. It's just really vying for that fourth spot now. Yeah. Yeah. Which, so which like leads Florida, me to the, Florida hurt themselves with losing to A and M because they they can't afford to go and lose the SEC championship cuz i don't think a two loss SEC team gets in. No, I think that, no. that was the way you were going to get a Florida and Alabama in both in the playoffs is 
they essentially have a, a, a warm-up game for the playoffs playing the SEC championship if they were both undefeated. But Florida already dropped their game, so. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see what, what A&M ends up doing because they still have to play um, Auburn and – I think, I think that's really it. I'm pretty sure their schedule from here on out is, is pretty much smooth sailing, so they should really end up as a one-loss team. So Who's I don't think they have a chance team? to play off, but their loss is Yeah, that's right. Of course. Stupid. But, yeah, I mean, two-loss Oklahoma, I think, you know, like I said, a lot's going to have to happen. I mean, I guess looking at it right now, you could say if Alabama wins, they get in Ohio State, and then it could be Clemson and Notre Dame, depending on how the ACC championship goes, assuming that Notre Dame stays undefeated. So we could see it shake out a lot of different ways, I think. Yeah, yeah. which leads to the second piece of this question is that, you know, it looks very, very uh, probable that, that Clemson and Notre Dame are going are gonna to have a rematch for the ACC title. So if Clemson wins this game, you know, does a one-loss Notre Dame make the playoff over BYU, who's undefeated and blowing people out, or Cincinnati, who's undefeated and blowing people out, a two-loss Oklahoma team? I mean, I, I don't think I see a group of five team getting in if there's a one-loss, you know. I don't I, – I, but I really don't think that the, the playoff committee is going to sit here and say, okay, well, you know, if, if Clemson gets in at three and Notre Dame gets in at four, they won't play each other. But if they both win, it'll be the third time. Yeah. This yeah. Year. Like I just, well, I just don't it, think, I think for ticket sales and for for optics, you can't, you can't have a, a a possible third game between the same teams. They're probably gonna let Cincinnati in if Clemson and Alabama win and Cincinnati stays undefeated. Because they, I mean, what are they five right now? Or I would love to see any scenario of Cincinnati playing a meaningful postseason game against slaughtered. Yeah. I would love it because, like, UCF has not played a meaningful postseason game. They played Auburn in the Chick-fil-A Bowl, and Auburn really couldn't have given a damn if they were there or not. Yep. So, I mean, I'm really interested to see uh, Cincinnati go up there as a four seed and play Bama in a New Year's Six Bowl for the first round of the playoffs. And, but I think, I think most fans, you, we don't want to see that. You just saw, no. what, you saw what Bama did to A&M. You no. telling me Cincinnati's going to be any more competitive than A and M? Absolutely not. But in a year like COVID, <laughs> I mean, shit. Let's go ahead and rip that bandaid off, give them their one shot, and say, "Look, this is what y'all's best team did." So then we could just cut that shit out for the rest, rest yeah. of us, and never invite them back in. Ever. Yeah, screw it. UCF done. Cincinnati, get out of here. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, though, but I'm with you. I, I don't think a two-loss Oklahoma's got a chance really on the back end. Yeah. I don't see a group of five team getting in. I mean, I I think if Florida can really put up a fight against against uh, against Bama, then then maybe they slide in. I don't – You got to think about again, a &M do, they too. do they slide in at number four and play Bama again? I mean, it's it's going to be – it's going to be weird to see how it turns out, but this, it's yeah. 2020, so you really you really never know. Yep. All right. Well, next question. So, is Florida good enough to challenge Alabama for the SEC title? Uh, I mean, maybe. Probably not, though. I mean, they're they're like I said, they're built really similar. I mean, they both have really explosive offenses, and then 
I think Alabama's defense is better than Florida's, but I mean, maybe if they catch Alabama on, on you know, kind of a down day and, and they're firing on all cylinders, they could, but yeah, I don't I don't want to say there's no chance. I mean, I think there's definitely a chance. I definitely think they can't afford to come out there like they did against Georgia. Uh, that 14-0 hole is going to be tough to come out of against that offense. So, um, yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, our offense, whatever you want to call it right now, not not great. Um, you know, put up over twenty on both of their defenses, so it's not like their defenses are anything special. And both of their offenses put up forty against our defense, so I feel yeah. like it's going to be an offensive battle. Oh yeah, Sam, what do you think? I don't. I don't think Florida has a chance. I'll be honest with you. I think <laughs> just looking at at the way they're built, this is this is what Nick Saban lives for. I mean. You have a team that that offensively they have a pretty good running back, but but they're they're one dimensional. I mean, Alabama's biggest weakness is their front seven. I mean, they they have a obviously Patrick Sertain is is like like Eric Stokes in the sense that he's going to lock down one side of the field. They probably have somebody that can match up on Kyle Pitts, um, just some freak just that's never played before that they're waiting to roll out. Um, <laughs> They're making him in the lab right now. Yeah, he's being created yeah, I mean, right now. Yeah, they're building some 6'6", 220-pound dude that's basically just going to run around with Kyle Pitts. But my point being is that I think I think Dan Mullen is probably an inferior coach to Kirby Smart, and then yep. you put him against Nick Saban, who is the GOAT at in-game adjustments, you know, defensive game plans. I mean, I just – I, I, I think Florida would be a good matchup for them, but I think between the ears, Alabama would, would dominate. So I, I don't want to say that it wouldn't be a good game, but I don't think Florida has any shot at beating them. Would you, would you say if we were to find a quarterback within the next four games, would you rather see that rematch or Florida still? It depends on who this said quarterback is. Yeah. Because I think not, if – Not Bennett. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm more interested to see an Alabama Florida game, and that's yeah, I would rather see a new game than a rematch. Yeah, I'm tired of seeing the Alabama Georgia. I mean, at least give us a year to any of just y'all just take the year off, and at least give us a year, and see what Florida can do. Yeah, somebody else comes out of the East to get hammered in Atlanta. <laughs> oh, credit to Georgia, they haven't got hammered. They've just. Um, Giving it up at the end, so can't show up the big games. Yeah. Fair enough. So moving on, uh, we have we have types of college football fans. So I want to know which category you guys think you fall into, uh, and what type of fans do you hate during the game? Yeah, I, I threw this one in there just because, just to break. You know, it's a it's a pretty drab week for us as a squad. So just yeah. some on a light note, um, I'll go ahead and start one off. I'll throw one of those. Uh, the, I call it the fumble guy. It's and I hate it because there's a guy that sits behind us. It's every time the opposing offense hands the ball off, he's yelling fumble as loud as he can. <laughs> and or, and you're just like, dude, shut the I mean, there's one guy behind us. And I'm not kidding. It's every time they get the ball, it's fumble just as loud as you can. And you're like, dude, the guy just got the ball. 
<laughs> I, I don't know. It pisses me off. So that's one of my my I hate. There, I remember yeah. one game. Uh, I was there was a guy behind me, and it, it got annoying after a while. But at first, it was funny. It was when uh, No Sean was there, and it was okay, a central, throwback. Yeah, it was a Central Michigan game when he hurdled that dude, like the famous picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and there was a fan behind us. Every time he'd make a cut, he'd be like, "Whoop, whoop, whoop, <laughs> <laughs> whoop. The, the whoop guy. <laughs> the whole entire game. I'm telling you, every time he got the ball, every time, just whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah. Just, it was so fucking annoying. Yeah. Uh, personally, like, I don't know who would I fall behind. I, I'm a, I would say I'm a loud guy. Like, I just – every time I'm yelling something and it's potentially has explicits with it. Depends on, <laughs> depends on my audience. Um, I'm not, rolls off the tongue. I'm not typically the kind of guy that breaks things, but this year I had one game, I spiked a charter spectrum TV remote and it shattered. So that's my first really like, see like, you know, one of our friends, he's a big break guy. He's gone through a TV before punching walls, you know? So <laughs> So, Sometimes it gets the better of you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I threw one guy on there. Sam, I feel like you're more like the X and O's guys when you're there. Like like when, when you went to the Clemson George Tech game, like, I mean, obviously know all the players on my team too, but you know, as soon as ball snap, you're you're talking about who's running this route, what guy's doing that. And like as soon as, you know, a guy gets tackled when y'all are on defense, you're talking about what guy did the wrong thing or the right thing. Like there's always that kind of guy at a game that, you know, like he's talking all kind of X's and O's that the, the average fans got no idea what they're looking at. Yeah, that's definitely Sam. And I think, I think me being that guy, I also get extremely, like, extremely pissed off watching games with people who clearly know nothing about football. Yeah. Like, if there's an incomplete pass and you're pissed off about it, there's probably a reason why. And you're mad for no reason. You don't even know why you're mad. You're mad because they didn't score a touchdown. Yeah. Like, that. It's ridiculous. Uh, the other type of fans I hate are are Clemson fans below the age of thirty. Um, you entitled bastards. It's Ooh. it's it makes me All sick right. to uh to uh to watch Clemson fans talk about stuff. It's like I mean, luckily luckily I've been I've I haven't been alive to to see a lot of the the really bad Clemson teams. But I think as a fan base, we're to the point now where we're like, bam, if we don't win a national championship or we're not the best team in the country and blowing somebody out, it's like, I mean, it's like we lost. A win by 10 points is a loss in a lot of people's eyes. So that that really upsets me. Um, but, yeah, yeah it's it's, it's yeah. just the people that clearly don't know anything about football that, that yeah. really get under my skin yeah, that, in a hurry. The know-nothing guy or the, the guy that has unreasonable expectations. Every handoff should be a house call. Uh, every play should be a 50-something yard bomb. It's just like that guy frustrates me. I, I, Jacob, personally, I feel like you're just kind of at this point, you're like a fuck it guy. Like we were, <laughs> we, were, we were watching the game the other night, and every time we just look over at you and you just like throw your hand up, shake your head. And like, like Jacob's the drinker. Yeah, yeah, the drinker. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We that's, suppress that's, the pain. That's what, that's what Carolina football turned me into. Yeah. See, and like Davini, what do you feel like you are as a fan? I, it's it's kind of different because like when you're at the game, I'm more into it. Like I'm the guy that stands up the whole time. 
unless special teams is out there. Me too. Same. But, like, when I'm at home, I'm more like Sam where I'm, like, seeing how everybody's lined up, who's in the game, and, like, probably not as detailed as him, but, like, I focus more on the players instead of the outcome as, you know, if I'm in the stadium, you know, you got that hype feeling of being there. You got the music. And not everything. this year. Well, yeah, not this year, but, like, with all yeah. the fans, you get hyped up, you know, and – I'm not, I'm not yelling the whole time. Like, I'll yell if, you know, we do something good or I'll I'll turn over to my left and, you know, say – Cuss your girlfriend out when something goes bad or <laughs> – But, like, I'll, like, during the game, I'll, like, turn over. And because I – like, I'd rather, like, now I'll, – I'll start off with this. Now that – like, going into college, I was – like, I thought I was a pretty good Georgia fan. You know, I wasn't, like – like, cause I'm I'm talking I'm comparing to like the Jordan fans y'all hate so much. The yeah. Why y'all hate yeah. our fan base? Okay. I feel like I was never that, but when I got into college and I lived with all of y'all and y'all are all just is y'all love y'all's teams as much as I did, but y'all like the rivals thing and all that. Like now that I'm getting more, you know, into it and actually like behind the scenes, like you said earlier. Um, Sam and Sid that like during a game you see something and the other fans are yelling and you're like like moments like that I'll turn over to Jensen or her dad or whatever and I'll be like blah 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 missed this yeah blah 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 something like that and I won't yell but you have other fans around you like come on bro what are you doing yeah like, you've got the, I was just about to say you've got the what are you doing guy yeah yeah, yeah. And, Obviously, you know, the left tackle, you know, he saw something that the right, the right, the left guard didn't. They blocked a separate, gave up a sack. You saw yeah. it. That guy, they're just all idiots on the field. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's an idiot. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I, I, I'm to that point too. It's, like, I, I mean, like, see, it's, my, it's, my dad, like, he's not that guy, but like during games, you know, he's, he's the louder guy than me. It's like I'm always when something happens, he looks at me and I'm like, you know, this happened. Blah blah blah. I did yeah. this. I mean, I'm not yeah. making excuses, but I'm a little bit more rational, especially during these downtimes right now. I just gotta remind myself to be rational. So, so none of us are the drunk guy in here, though. You know. Yeah, that's well, if if they served alcohol, it would it probably would be. <laughs> I love the honesty, though. I'm just being honest. Uh, Davini, you're definitely not the the type of Georgia fan we hate. Uh, I can name a few, but um, no, you're not. You're not there. Yeah, we won't. We won't. We're not going to name names. We're not those guys. Not on relationships. All right. So moving on. Um, an interesting little little factoid here. So through eight games, Travis Etienne has 634 yards rushing, 491 yards receiving. Um, so there, who was the last player to have 600 plus rushing and 450 plus receiving yards through a team's first eight games? The hint I will give you here is that this occurred in 2017. Power five school. Absolutely. Was it a Georgia running back? It was not. Damn. But Sony was very close to this. I was about to say, I feel like Sony was kind of one of those APB guys that got a lot of both. Um, yeah, not not through the first eight games that we were playing Murray State, and he got one carry, and then 
the scrubs would come in. Um, yeah, is, is, is it? Can you give us a? Is it an SEC back? Uh, no, it is not. Okay, it's it's a uh, it's a northern school. Team league. Oh yeah, he's in the league. Oh, so that's J.K. Dobbins. Nope, you're closer yeah. though. Closer. Is it Saquon? Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, damn. So through the first eight games of 2017, Saquon had 801 yards rushing and 471 yards receiving. Wow. An absolute monster. Damn. Obviously went on to be the number two overall pick that year. He went hard. Yeah, yeah, he was was a dump truck. Still is. A really fast dump truck. (laughs) Um, So – now going on going more uh on stats i've i've got a handful of quarterbacks laid out here for you so i'm going to read off their stats through the first couple of games uh, and see if you guys can guess it so the first quarterback's played six games he's completing 78 and a half percent of his passes uh, just shy of 2200 yards 16 touchdowns two picks he's added one on the ground hmm. 78.5 that's got to be mac jones yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. It is Mac Jones. So our yeah. second one has also played six games. He's completing just under 71% of his passes for 1,833 yards, 17 touchdowns, two picks, has four rushing touchdowns. Uh, would that be Kellen Mond? No, but Kellen Mond is on this list. Yeah. 70% is a little high for Kellen. Yeah. Um, I think Kellen's the next one. I know it's not Trevor because Trevor hasn't thrown two interceptions, has he? He has. Oh, shit. It is oh, Trevor. So, I was about to say, so is okay. it Trevor? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. The next one, uh, this guy has also played six games. He's completing 64.5% of his passes for 1,468 yards, 16 touchdowns, two picks, one rushing score. I think that's Kellamond. That's right, which is surprising because you'd think – through six games that he would have more than one rushing touchdown. Yeah. Who did he have that uh, rushing touchdown again? Okay, so what in Carolina was it? Did he have it against Carolina? I don't even know, dude. <laughs> don't even know. Don't even know. Just purged it. Jacob just um, knows somebody was scoring. And it wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. Next guy, he's played five games. Uh, completing just shy of 69% for 1,815 yards, 22 touchdowns, three picks. Five games, 22 touchdowns. Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask. Oh, yeah. He's absolutely snapping. Damn. And here we go. Finally, through seven games, this guy is completing about 60% of his passes for 1,534 yards. Only eight touchdowns, only one pick, but he's added five touchdowns on the ground. Would that be Sam Howell? No. Yeah, Sam Howell's got way more yards than touchdowns. Yeah, that's true. You're in the right conference, though. Would it be Phil Dracovic? No. Dracovic has a – I think he's got 15 touchdowns now. Five rushing touchdowns, Derek King? No. Shit, I know it ain't our quarterback because he throws at least one interception <laughs> a game. 
so it's, uh, oh, he's only got eight that's touchdowns. It? That's only it? has eight touchdowns. Sixty percent. Yeah, I mean, Dang. I mean, like we said last week in our in our game, we watched him. He his like he wasn't that impressive throwing the ball. There were a lot of no. missed throws he had. So, and against us, he. He, he, I mean, he completed like 56% of his passes, which I mean, you know, it got the job done. <laughs> yeah, it'll get the job done, but it, it's certainly nothing to write home about. And I think he, he had a few where the, where the receivers definitely went and made some plays for him. But, um, yeah, so just interesting to look at this. I mean, obviously, when you look at, when you look at this group, Kyle Trask is just lighting it up. Jeez. And then you have Mac Jones, who is, I mean, has he he's thrown like four incompletions all year so just just interesting to 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 look at the stats we said that we would keep track of mac jones and see how he paces against burrow and i mean really everything is similar except this point in the year i think burrow had 25 touchdowns already through six games so damn it's ridiculous yeah unreal Alrighty, so moving on from this, I guess we'll get into uh, get into some previews. Uh, we'll start off with with Georgia uh, going on the road to see Mizzou. Davini, what you got? The thing I'm interested in the most about this game is really the you know the obvious the quarterback situation. Uh, Kirby said in the presser the other day that he's given Dwan, JT, and Carson, all first team reps, you know, because at this point um, we've seen that that QB situation is just not doing it for us. Um, arguably lost us the last game, but, you know, a lot of other stuff factored in that, but it was a key. You know, looking at, looking at Missouri, they got a freshman quarterback, you know, he's thrown for 1,100 yards, 70, almost 70% uh, completion, four touchdowns and one pick. You know, so it's not – those are, those are freshman stats, you know. You good, pretty good completion. Um, the running back, Roundtree, he's averaging four yards a carry, has 430 yards rushing this year. You know, their offense isn't great. Neither is their defense, but, you know, at the same time, it's – I feel like we're going to have to come out there and play how we usually play and play pretty good. We can't – we can't just think the season's over, you know, and just blow the rest of these four games. I mean, this is – these last games are a good learning curve for us, you know, figure out where guys need to be and look at 2021, you know, and just compete. Because, I mean, I don't, I don't – Missouri shouldn't beat us, but if the guys go out there and give up on the season already since we don't have a chance in the conference championship would suck. You know, it, it wouldn't be fun to see those guys go out there nonchalant and not care. But don't sleep on Missouri. I mean, they put up 41 against LSU. So, then again, they got rolled by Florida two weeks ago. So, you never know. Um, hey, I hate to I hate to interject, but uh, me and Sam kind of talked about this and J Jacob was there. Do you think 
uh, Mark Packers brought this up. But now that teams, once teams get to a point where they figure, okay, well, we're not in it anymore, do you think yeah. some of these guys that are in the NFL are getting ready for the NFL, I mean, that have a legit shot, do you think they start opting out? I mean, I guess that boils down to your character. Yeah. Individually. Um, because, you know, I, I personally hate it when guys, you know, don't play the bowl game or yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. I just feel like, man, if you're, you're giving up on the other guys by doing that. But, you know, it's it's just one of those things where, then again, I've never been in that position where I could, you know, make millions getting drafted and don't, don't want to get hurt the last couple games. Yeah. Um, but I don't – I'll give you an example. A guy like LeCount, I don't see him doing that. You know, I feel like he's a team guy and he'll play um, until, we're, until the season's over. But, you know – it's it's just I can see it happening because you know we were expected to be in the SEC championship again, or by some people you know a lot of people picked Florida, obviously, but you know we were a team that was supposed to compete and yeah. now we really unless Florida just completely blows the rest of their games, which I don't see happening, um, we're kind of out of it and I it's a it's a it's a good question I mean I hope they don't go out there and give up, but it, it'll be a good good playing time for a lot of younger guys, I feel like. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Sorry, just was just didn't know if you had any thoughts about that. No, that's a good question. But yeah, it we should we should win by you know a couple touchdowns, but I hope I hope to God we do something at the quarterback position. I just I don't want to see Stetson, go out there for the first now. <laughs> yeah, like Jacob said, I feel like anything is better than nothing. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter if the results are worse with somebody else. Just, yeah, just give us fresh. a reason to watch. Exactly. All right, so with that said, we'll move on to a little bit of ACC action. We've got Georgia Tech at home against Pitt at 7 o'clock. Yeah, um, I think there was a point when we were watching football this past week where I was like, oh, no, because I saw Kenny Pickett was playing. Uh, I was really hoping – I mean, not that I want the kid to be hurt, but I was really hoping he wasn't going to be back in time. Um, I think he makes them a lot better. He's he's pretty dang good. He, he's like an Ian Book, in my opinion, where, I mean, he's good enough to get the job done, and he uh, he's real, pretty elusive, more elusive than you would think. He – he improvises well. He makes things happen with his feet when he needs to. Um, and we're not in a position to where we can uh, defend that very well, put a spy on a guy like that. We just don't have the playmakers. Um, I'm nervous about our linebacker play. I, I don't think they will be able to run the ball that well, but I also said that about BC. So I, I don't know. They scored three points on Notre Dame. But then again, that was without Kenny Pickett. Um, they, they gave up probably about the same amount of points to Notre Dame. Their, their front – their defensive line and defensive ends are about as good as anybody in the ACC. Uh, they're, they're legit. Um, there's, a, there's a little bit of fall off when it gets back to the linebackers, but their front seven is pretty damn solid. I think we'll have our biggest yep. challenge, challenge running the ball since Clemson. I think these two teams, Clemson and Pitt, are the biggest challenge when it comes to running the ball. Their defensive ends are freaks. They're athletic. Um, and their, their defensive tackles are, are pretty, pretty stout. 
So that'll be a challenge. Um, we usually do pretty well coming off the bye week. That's one thing this staff has shown. We came out and played well against Louisville. You know, I, I, they say Jeff's handled the bye week really well. He's come out and, you know, said some really good things. And Pat Node said, you know, he's noticing a difference with him. He's actually talking like a quarterback now, noticing things. So um, I'm hoping that's true. We, I hope we find a way to rotate the running backs. Uh, Pat Node came out today and said they had a real honest conversation with everybody in that room as to why certain guys are not getting reps and what guys need to do different. So I like that. Um, hopefully those guys do that and we build upon that. And we, we, we need to see some two back sets, some 21 personnel, two running backs and use our tight end. Uh, we're going to have to max protect. Um, I think we'll also see a lot of 12 personnel. Uh, we got to use both those big tight ends we have. Uh, we need to target the tight end some more. And really we need to figure out a second threat from receiver wise to stretch the field because Amarian is just keyed on all year. And then um, Jameer is also being keyed on. So if they take those two things away, we got to have that third guy that can, you know, stretch the field. I mean, Jamal, uh, or I'm sorry, Jalen Camp and Malachi Carter, they both like reception receivers. They're, they're pretty good. They'll go up and get the ball, but they're not like just a burner where they're just going to toast somebody down the field. So uh, we got to have a guy like Nate McCullum, freshman, uh, slot receiver. He's got to kind of step step up, maybe get him on the same on the field at the same time as Amari, and they're both just ridiculously fast. Um, and they say Nate's been making progress, so hopefully we'll see some meaningful snaps out of him. Defensive side of the ball, they're saying Tyson McGez has been getting a lot of reps, which is good. Uh, hopefully David's snaps go down again. Hopefully that trend continues because they have been. Uh, he's pretty ineffective when he's on the field, but he's also really ineffective when he's on the field for 70 snaps a game. So um, um, that's we got to stop that. I'd rather see Tyson go out there and miss a tackle or just make busted cups, something. I don't know, just something fresh. It's kind of like y'all in the quarterback situation. I'm ready for something different. Six years straight of watching David do this has just made my eyes bleed when it comes to watching our defense. So um, – I think we'll make better progress. We did all right coverage-wise against Notre Dame. I think we're simplifying things. I know Jeff's starting to get really involved on the defense side of the ball, trying to help Thacker out. I don't think Thacker's the uh, – I don't think he's it when it comes to defensive coordinator. So, we got to figure something else out there. Um, Trey had a good year. Uh, Zamari's been our best corner. He actually has been locked down all year. So, got to continue that. Um, good thing is Pitt is missing, uh, Paris Ford. He opted out. That's good. Maybe that'll give us uh, the ability to stretch the field a little bit, but they're back in best player missing. And, um, I'm nervous. Last thing I'm, I'm nervous about our offensive linemen. We, one week we had Jack, Def I mean, um, I'm sorry, Zach Quinney have a terrible game at left tackle. The next game we had Jordan Williams at right tackle have a terrible game. Um, we've yet to really have them put it together all one week. So I'm interested to see if they how they handle these guys from Pitt because, like I said, these defensive ends are legit. So that's got to that's gotta improve. Um, can't have Jeff back there in an opportunity to just get blown up play after play. So we're gonna. I, I'm hoping Pat Noe comes out with a good game plan. We get some inter intermediate throws going, get Jeff in a rhythm, get him doing what he's best at.
And um, special teams wise, don't kick a field goal. Just don't do it. Let's fourth and 15, go for it. I don't care. We're not kicking field goals because we don't have one of those that can do that. So I don't know. Uh, I don't want to give like a score prediction or how I think it's going to go. It could either go be a tight game and a toss up at the end, or we could come out there flat dejected and just get blown out. So hope that's not the case, but um, we'll see. Yes. So final game uh, coming up, it's going to be Carolina uh, traveling to the Grove to see Ole Miss. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a matchup that even before the season, it, it, it scared me a little bit and Ole Miss has been playing really well this season. Matt Corral has been, been an extremely efficient quarterback. Um, and then they just have weapons all over off all over their offense. So, and you know, with, with Lane Kiffin there, offensive, really good offensive line. Even before the season, even before we started looking like shit, this is a matchup that scared me. So now it, it scares me even more. There's gotta be a quarterback change, you know, I hopefully Colin Hill is not the one trotting out there to start. Um, but even even with Ole Miss's really bad defense, I this offense is just bad. I mean, I don't I don't see how they got so much worse as the season has gone on. It's it's astonishing, really. But I think we run a new quarterback out there. Maybe they can get something going. We can score some points, but. Uh, you know the defense is going to have to is is going to have to change some stuff. Hopefully, we'll get all our safeties back and and lock that lock the secondary back down. Ernest Jones has to play better. This past weekend, he just looked looked confused on a lot of plays and stuff like that. So he's got to tighten up too. The defensive line just has to get pressure. I don't know what happened to the line. They they were playing well early in the season and then they just started playing horribly. So. They've got to change some stuff right there. We got to get pressure on Matt Corral so he doesn't just, uh, you know, sling the ball around the yard all night on us. Because I mean, they have Elijah Moore who's leading the SEC in receiving, and then another really good tight end in the SEC, um, Kenny Yoba. I don't, I don't really know how to pronounce it honestly, but he's a beast too. So, um, and the unfortunate thing is Elijah Moore. I think he lines up in the slot a lot, so that you know that means. Jamie Robinson's going to be on him most of the time. We can't really shade uh, J.C. Horn in there. But, yeah, I mean, we got to get the running game going. Whoever's playing quarterback has to find some guys outside of Shai Smith. I've been saying it all season. Got to find someone else that can catch the ball. It was supposed to be Jalen Brooks, but he came in and he dropped a couple. He hasn't looked great through his first two games. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who it is. But got to get the tight ends involved, and we just got to – feed Kevin Harris, try to take over time of possession, and yeah, maybe we'll come out with a win. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you just want to salvage as much as you can because Muschamp's probably done regardless. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, he's probably on his way out. Especially, I mean, if, if they lose to Ole Miss, he's probably, he's probably done. Like, at, before the season ends? Yeah, probably. So y'all got to pay him thirteen million, and then you got to pay Bobo one point two, right? Uh, something like that. Would Bobo go with him? Probably. I mean, I feel like if we bring in a new guy, then he's going to bring in a new staff. Yeah. 
that's how it goes usually. I didn't. The only problem well, is, well, I, I mean, I know we don't have time, a whole lot of time to talk about that, but who do you go get? Well, a lot of the lists, they were saying Hugh Freeze at first, but now I'm hearing a lot that they don't want Hugh Freeze, but it's one of the lists that came out was Jamie Chadwell, who's a Coastal Carolina's coach, and I mean, yeah, they're, yeah. they're killing it. Yeah. And then uh, Billy Napier, who yeah. is also going really- off. I personally would like Billy Napier, I think, the most. I think he'd be at the top of my list. For sure. But Chadwell is also a good option, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I know Fickle was thrown out there for a minute, but um, I, apparently, like, he, him and his family, they have, like, eight kids. And apparently they <laughs> are, like, super Catholic and love where they are. And apparently people have said, like, he – the only job he'd go to now is Ohio State if it were to come open. So, I don't know, maybe – He'd be a good option, but if you could get him there. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, and then obviously Clemson is on a bye week this week. I have a couple of things that I want to point out. Obviously getting healthy, especially on defense. Um, Dabo said last night uh, that Brissy, no no knee injury really, uh, had just kind of a banged up thigh. Uh, we're expecting to get him, Tyler Davis, and Mike Jones back for Florida State. Um, Booth and Xanders both went out in the Notre Dame game. Expect both of those guys to be back for Florida State as well. Um, Ladson hurt his foot in warm-ups. They think he might be out a couple of weeks. Um, Our left guard, Matt Bockhorst, got hurt about halfway through the third quarter. Uh, Turner went out at the end of the game. Haven't heard anything on those two. Uh, I don't think it's anything too serious, especially with Turner. Uh, Niskowski's just trying trying to get back from that scope surgery, so uh, he's probably going to be back sooner rather than later. Don't know if it'll be Florida State, but could be Pitt the week after. Um, especially want to have him back for senior day against Pitt. But um, but I think the biggest thing moving forward is that we're going to have to make some tough decisions about the line on offense. You know, coaches are always going to talk about, well, the best players are going to play. We're going to put the best combination of five guys together. Um, and our, our, our offensive line coach, uh, Rafi Caldwell, talks about especially in recruiting, that positional versatility is something that you have to have. If you're strictly a, a tackle, you're going to come in and you're going to work at guard. I mean, everyone is going to move around until they find somewhere that sticks. Um, so, I mean, you know, I think right now, are, are we playing the best five linemen we have or are we playing the best left tackle, the best left guard, the best positionally, are we playing the best guys? Um, so, I mean, I think with that said – I think we're probably playing the best guys at each position, but there's absolutely no way you can tell me that that Walker Parks isn't one of the best five linemen on our team. I think it's really important to get him on the field. I mean, I think when you look at what the offensive line has done so far this year, uh, Travis Etienne's yards per carry are down two and a half from last year. Lynn J. Dixon's is down three. The team as a whole, the yards per carry is down two and a half. I mean, we're only averaging running for 150 yards a game. Our second leading rusher does not have 100 yards in terms of running backs. Our second leading rusher has 88 yards behind Travis. That's inexcusable. Um, So total, you know, my total Darian Richer is our next leading uh, carrier with 88 yards. Damn. Yeah. Um, So I think, you know, if it's me, I think Jackson Carmen, our left tackle, he's 6'5", about 240. He obviously profiles as a better option at guard. 
Um, his footwork has been bad. He, his technique is not improving at the rate I think I would have liked. Um, but I don't think moving a former five-star who's your lone returning starter from last year's team, I don't think moving him inside for a freshman sets a good precedent. But I do think Jordan McFadden at right tackle, who's been, you know, he's been solid all year. Um, he's not the strongest guy in the world, but he's extremely sound with his technique. Um, when you watch him, he, he uses his feet, his hands, placement is really, really good. Um, you know, like I said, he's not that strong, but he is a big dude, and he can leverage himself against guys. He can lean on you a little bit. Uh, so I think he's he's proven that he's probably the quicker learner and that if there's somebody that has to to learn a new position and a new uh, technique, he's he's definitely the guy that I have more confidence in. Um, so I think kicking him in the guard, uh, let, let Walker Parks play at right tackle. Then the issue becomes which guys are going to lose their spot between the center, Stewart, or Putnam. Stewart's a, a senior, Putnam's a sophomore. Um, and just with the center, you don't want to break a continuity of, of having the same guy snap the football. So I think just just naturally, I think I think they're both a problem, but you can only really get rid of one of them in this scenario. So I think I think Putnam probably slides out um, and you have uh, McFadden move into his spot at right guard. But I think overall, it's kind of like what you guys are talking about, you know, at quarterback for, for Carolina and Georgia, uh, David Curry at Tech. There's, there's a, there's a position of weakness on our team right now that is, you know, I mean, it's, it's well below what it should be. I don't know if this is an issue where you blame it on the coaches and say, Oh, well, we hadn't hit on recruiting or, you know, we've, we've swung and missed at these highly rated guys at the end of classes um, in 2017 and 2018. And now we're behind, or, you know, you've got a couple of guys that have had injuries and will probably never play. Uh, so, I mean, for whatever reason, we're, we're thin and the talent level is not where it needs to be to complement the rest of the team. So I just want to see something. I just give me something different, even if it's not a new starting lineup, Moving, moving McFadden inside for, you know, a series. Just give me something. That's all I ask. So got to get healthy and got to, got to figure out the offensive line. But with that said, I digress and we'll, uh, we'll move over into picks. So um, coming off of last week, uh, Clemson was the only game Sid did not pick correctly. Uh, That kind of sucks for him. Uh, But going eight and one, he has now stretched his lead. Uh, he is 45 and 26. Davini is 44 and 27. Jacob and myself are sitting at 42 and 29. Yeah, uh, points. Yeah, in points, uh, Sid is at 75. Davini trails him by two. Jacob and I sit at 69, trailing him by six. So he's got a pretty good lead on us right now. Um, so getting into the picks, uh, we'll start at noon. On Saturday, we've got. Virginia Tech hosting Miami. Virginia Tech is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Stid, who you got? This one was tough. I, I like Virginia Tech. I think they're better than like, I've been saying all year. Um, but I, I feel like Miami is just going to pull it out. Um, so, I'm a, I am Virginia Tech lost to Liberty this past week. So, I'm going to go with Miami. Yep, I'm riding with that. I'm going with Miami too, sir. Yeah, I'm I'm right with y'all. Uh, De'Aaron King has really been playing well this season. I I like Virginia Tech. I like Hendon Hooker. Uh, I like their running back even better. Um, so I mean, I, I think they have. I think we're going to see a lot of points in this game. But, but I'm taking the U. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You're right about Virginia Tech's running back. He's a beast. But 
know, Miami, Miami just has a bunch of talent. They, they should win this game. Um, so I'm taking Miami. Yep. Next one. Um, we got UNC hosting Wake. Uh, UNC is a 12 and a half point favorite in this one. Um, yeah. So I'm going with UNC. I like Sam Howell. I like what they're doing. Wake Forest just don't have enough. I'm going Wake here, dude. Um, good pick. You know, they've shown that, you know, they've beaten some pretty good teams after they got slaughtered week one. Um, they actually beat Virginia Tech. And, uh, you know, even though they lost to Liberty. And UNC's had a couple games where they let it go. And they really, you know, kind of blew some games, especially against uh, Virginia there. Um, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the uh, upset. I got Wake right here. Yeah, I uh I love the Wake pick, uh, just because I think Sam Howells or excuse me, uh, Sam Hartman is a pretty good quarterback. Um, but I think the biggest difference here is that UNC's kind of pissed away their season a little bit. So I I think they're uh, at this point they don't have a whole lot to play for. So I think that plays into Wake's hands too. But I I like Sam Howell. I, I think they're going to be able to outscore them taking the heels yeah I'm with you on that Sam Howell's had a pretty good year and you know that offense is pretty good they have weapons all around so I think I'm going to take UNC here as well I think they're going to outscore Wake all right next one we'll uh we'll go up north we have Nebraska hosting Penn State Penn State is a three and a half point favorite despite being 0 and 3 look Penn State's garbage um uh, N- Nebraska is not great, but uh, I'm taking the Cornhuskers. I hear you on that. It's really a toss-up. I don't think anybody saw Penn State starting 0-3, so I think uh, they know they have to get a W right here, and they're going to play a lot better than they've been playing. I got Penn State. Yeah, Penn State 0-3, backs against the wall. I mean – We'll, we'll see if they got any fight left in them, but obviously you have to have to. I, I, they're the better team, I mean, on paper, but we'll see what they we'll see what they do. I'm, I'm going to take them anyway. Yeah, I'm with you on that. These are two. I mean, like you said, this is just a toss up. It could go either way. These are two teams that they're, they've been really bad on offense to start the season, and really not much better on defense. But you're right about Penn State. I think they know they have to come out and get a win being 0-3 right now, so I'm taking Penn State. All right, next game, we'll move over to the Big 12. Uh, we've got West Virginia at home against TCU. West Virginia is a three-point favorite in this one. Yeah, another one of these Big 12 matchups that just I, I, I'm always torn on, but I, I like uh, I like the Mountaineers in this one. I feel like they've been playing better as of recent, so I'm going West Virginia. Yeah, I think I think West Virginia is a better team, honestly. Um, so that's why I'm picking them. Yeah, um, West Virginia's quarterback uh, Jared Dodge is playing really well. Their defense also gets a ton of turnovers, uh, so I think they might be able to force uh, Max Duggan into some mistakes. I'll take the Mountaineers here. Yeah, for this one, I'm taking I'm taking TCU. You know, I. Like I've said all season, I like what TCU has to offer. Um, and, you know, just to do a, little, do a little comparison here, West Virginia has lost to Texas and Texas Tech, and TCU has beat both of them. 
Therefore, TCU is going to win. Outstanding logic. Lock that, lock that in. <laughs> Outstanding. So now back to the ACC. We've got Virginia hosting Louisville as a three-point favorite. Sid, what you got here? Uh, I, I'm going Louisville. I, I like what Virginia's been doing this year. Um, but I think Louisville and Satterfield, they got to get things rolling. They're a better team than how they've been playing. So I'm going to take the Cardinals. I'm taking Virginia in this one because, um, you know, they've uh, – even though, what, are they two and four? Their record really doesn't show it, but, you know, they're pretty pretty good. They've had some good games this year. I th- and Louisville's been uh, both ways. They've had really good games and really shitty games. Um, so, I think Virginia is more consistent on this one. I'm going to pick Virginia. Good pick. Uh, I'm going with Virginia as well. Uh, they got Brennan Armstrong back last week and or the week before last, and they beat uh, North Carolina. I still think Virginia has probably the second best offensive line in the in the conference. Uh, Louisville's got a really good nose tackle. Um, I think his name's Goldwire. I can't really remember his name, but mm-hmm. he's he's a yeah. beast. Um, so I, I think it's going to be interesting at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but defensively, Louisville is terrible. Virginia, yeah, we've okay. they've shown that they can control the ball, control time of possession. So I think I think if they can limit possessions for Louisville and, and keep uh, Cunningham and um, what's his name, number 10, Javian Hawkins off the field, then they'll, they'll be able to win this game. Yeah, uh, like you said, Louisville is just horrible on defense, uh, and their offense really hasn't been, I mean, as good as I thought it was going to be personally. So I'm going to take Virginia in this one. All right, next game up, we got Oregon at home. They're an eight-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington State. Yeah, I'm going Ducks. Their defense is is dominant. Justin Flo, Noah Sewell, all those guys, they arguably have the best safety in the country. Um, I, I like the Ducks. Yeah, I'm, I'm rolling the Ducks here, too. Uh, I think they're the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, no doubt they're the best team in the Pac-12. Um I'm pretty sure Washington State had like 20-something dudes out off their active roster with with COVID in their first game. They still won. Uh, they had a freshman quarterback that balled out, but just just no shot against this defense. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Oregon all the way. Uh, like y'all said, their defense is just something else. So, going with the Ducks. All right. Next game up, we got a little bit of AAC action. Uh, we have SMU. At home against Tulsa, Tulsa's actually a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. I think this is going to be a really, really good game, actually. So, Sid, what you got? Uh, SMU, I, I like what uh, the quarterback's doing there. They're putting up a lot of points, and uh, um, I, I just I feel good about them. Yeah, I'm picking SMU right here, too, their offense. I think it's going to be a pretty good game because Tulsa is not terrible. But I think SMU is just going to score more points. Yeah. Um, Tulsa actually has a really good defense, but they just haven't played that many games. So I think that's going to come back to bite them. Obviously, SMU, they got they got boat raced by Cincinnati. I think Tulsa is probably the second best defense in that conference, but they're not on the level Cincinnati is. Uh, give me SMU. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. Uh, like you said, Tulsa's, uh, Tulsa's only played four games. SMU's played eight. Uh, SMU's offense is just rolling, so I'm going to take SMU. 
Uh, next game up, we have Ole Miss hosting South Carolina. Ole Miss is an 11-point favorite in this bad boy. Yeah, I uh, like I said, I keep wanting to pull for South Carolina. I do every week, and I can't let it come back to bite me just with the way they're playing. I don't, I don't understand it. So for that reason, I gotta go with the Rebels. Yeah, I don't. After you know, in this matchup before, you know, about three or four weeks ago, I thought this was gonna be a pretty good game. But the last two weeks, you know, as Jacob said, South Carolina hasn't really shown up. Um, and I, Ole Miss's offense is just a powerhouse. But, you know, it might, it might be a good game. Hopefully South Carolina and Georgia figure out what they're doing at quarterback. And they come out there a little better. But I got Ole Miss in this one. Yeah, I think it'll be an interesting matchup, though, because you'll have Elijah Moore, who's – I mean, he's got 61 catches for 829 yards and six touchdowns through six games this season. He's going off. So, you're probably going to get J.C. Horn following him around. Um, but I, I, just, I like Matt Corral. I mean, other than a, an awful game against Arkansas, he's been really, really good this year. So, I'm, I'm taking the Rebels here. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very close to going with y'all and taking Ole Miss in this one. Um, but I just never can't. pick against your squad. Yeah, I'll do I, it. I that's just, a that's that's one. That's one of the one. Yeah, I can't do it. Um, you know, South Carolina's going to try a new quarterback out, whether it be Helensky or Doty. They're going to bring a spark. Whole team's going to play better. J.C. Horn gets two picks. South Carolina wins. I like it. Nice, nice. And finally, our game of the week. We got Georgia Tech at home against Pitt. Kenny Pickett is back. Pitt is favored by six and a half points. Oh, man, what a game of the week. Um, on the same front as Jacob, I'm not picking against my team. Uh, I, it's tough. Kenny Pickett's back. But I, I think we we simplify our defense. We stop the run. And I, I think uh, this is going to be a game where we get Jameer the ball a lot, and he, he makes a difference in this game. So I'm going to take us um, by touchdown. You know, I, I think Pitt right now is the better team, but I would love to see Tech, you know, get this win. Um, Thanks. I appreciate that. I mean, I do because I, I want you to not break stuff and be happy <laughs> one, of, one of these days. <laughs> I want them to win for you, bro. That's a good friend. I appreciate um, that. But I, it, for picking games, I feel like Pitt's going to get a – Dash this one out. Hey, look, I'm just not picking against my squad. Y'all do what y'all got to do. Yeah, strictly a business decision. I'm with Davini. I would love to see Tech start winning some football games. But when Kenny Pickett got hurt, he was the uh, the leading passer in the nation. Um, Tech does not defend the pass well. Uh, and they also have a really good defensive line for Pitt. So I, I don't think Tech's going to be able to get much going in the run department either. Um, I think it'll be a pretty interesting game, but I, I think Kenny Pickett coming back is going to be a little bit too much. So, so give me the Panthers. Yeah, um, you know, every time we've picked a Georgia Tech game, uh, I've picked Tech except for one, the Louisville game. I didn't pick them, and they actually won. And then all the other ones, I think I've picked them, and they've lost. So I'm going to reluctantly take Pitt here. Um, you know, with all you said, with all of what y'all said, can you pick it back and all that? 
Um, but don't be surprised when Tech wins because of this. Thanks, well, Jacob. Well, if, if Tech wins and Sid's the only one that picked them, that's going to be another another three-point swing. Can't have that. Yeah. But, um, you know, like I said in the beginning of this pick segment, uh, Sid was 8-1. and one. He was close to getting a first down away from going 9-0 and oh last week. So, Sid, here's your minute. Take it away. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, last week was just such a good week. USC, you know, backdoor covered a little bit there, if you want to call them that, with the, the onside kick and the late touchdown. So, needed that. Um, Davini, you brought this on last week. You said nobody talked shit. Um, I really don't feel like I have the place to, but y'all's offense is dog shit. It don't make sense. Kirby, this is unexcusable. Um, for, the cure, for the quarterback room to look like this, it's just it's it's not okay. I don't feel any sympathy for the injuries. Y'all y'all load them up with five stars, four stars. So I don't want to talk about injuries. And um, Florida just gave you the prison loving this weekend. So um, I, I I enjoyed it, Davini. I did feel a little pain, you know, for you because I know that hurts. But it was not. It's nice to see y'all's offense struggling like this because. It's just it's it's not what it should be at Georgia. So that's that's my only trash talk. I, like I said, I had the right to say that I did one. I snapped this week, so I, I said what I said. Yeah, fuck Clemson too. Yeah, he said what he said. Uh, but anyways, thank you all for listening. That's what we have to say about college football for this week. Um, peace. <laughs>